More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, everybody. Thursday edition of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. We've got a lot to get to, and we're going to do it. We're going to do it, as we always do. We're going to be talking to you about things going on all over the country. Looks like uh, Comer from the House Oversight Committee is going to be subpoenaing Hunter Biden to testify. Now, that would be... In so many ways, must-see TV. I don't know if it's going to really end up happening, but Clay is going to break down some of that for you. Also, more coming out, uh, courtesy of uh, Julie Kelly and some others, about just what the judges in the various Trump, well, one judge in particular involved in the uh, Trump D.C. prosecution, that trial, has been willing to do up to this point, um, including... Uh, Clay, we've now found out about a subpoena for Trump's uh, Trump, Trump's Twitter records. Uh, Trump's Twitter records are now being asked for, uh, which I think is interesting. Looking at the DM, did you ever DM Trump? I never DM'd him. Did you ever DM him? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I think this is uh, really interesting, and and I I have been thinking about this. Was Trump actually DMing people? You think on Twitter, like himself? I've only my interaction with that White House was only via phone call. I never there was no DMing, so I don't know. But well, the if reason Trump why I DMing say people, it'd it be amazing. seems strange that he would be only because I don't recall him ever accidentally posting a DM publicly to his Twitter feed and n- not to cast dispersions. But older people, it seems to me, using technology would often make that mistake. And it seems like Trump would easily uh, it's it's not, an, first of all, a difficult mistake to make. Lots of people will do it. And the frequency with which Trump was using Twitter, it seems to me that he would be likely to accidentally DM a private message public. Or, and it never happened that we know it may of. it may just be. And this is what I think is people can maybe send dms and he didn't respond but they would be there on record and there may be mm, people that tried to contact argument. him right so we'll, we'll get into some of that I, I wanted to start though with something that is 
Uh, it's important to me. It's important to the whole country. And I think that if people wake up to the reality here, uh, it could have a massive effect on the 2024 election. It, it could be a difference maker. Remember, Trump won in 2016 because of a lot of things. Fine. Yes. But immigration was probably the primary policy area where he differentiated himself from the GOP establishment, where he got ahead of all of his competitors in the primary. And the immigration situation right now is as such. America is turning into the largest refugee camp in the world. You're not going to hear it put that way in many places, but that is the truth. A refugee and an asylee, a person seeking asylum, are effectively claiming the same situation. It's just that an asylum seeker asks for it in your country. A refugee applies for it externally to your country. So once we understand this definitionally, you have... Six million plus would be refugees, alleged refugees. They are not, but we'll get into that as well, who have flooded the country in just the last three years. And, and that's the official number. It's probably considerably higher. Notice how you're also not seeing the, there's, there's only 11 million illegals in the country, which they've been saying for, I don't know, the last 15 years or so. It's clearly not 11 million anymore. It wasn't 11 million then. I know that, but it's now got to be 20 million plus. And this is starting to show its effect as well in places like New York City. Clay, here we have the mayor of New York claiming that uh, this is a state of emergency. And there are others as well. But let's play the mayor of New York. Play clip two. In this nation is broken. It has been broken for decades. We're also asking the federal government to declare a state of emergency. This will allow federal funds to be allocated quickly to help address the urgent challenges we face. Well, Clay, notice they're demanding that this become a federal problem. So they want effectively a federal monetary, a a money bailout. But New York is a sanctuary city. New York has affirmed time and time again, the more illegal migrants, the more illegal immigrants, the better. And there are many other cities like it. So why do they need this money? Massachusetts governor, um, the Massachusetts governor as well, Healy, Maura Healy, is also declaring a state of emergency. Over 20,000 migrants in her state. They can't afford 20,000 people. I thought that this is, this is the, the heart and soul of America. I want to hit you with these details, Buck, because I read this yesterday in the post, and I think I mentioned it on the show, uh, but the headline is this. Migrant raves about McCarran Park shelter, including hot food, snacks, and a pool. There's nothing they stop us from doing. So the talk is that New York City, Buck, to your point, is going to spend $5 billion of taxpayer money. That is, I believe, $5 billion with a B. Oh, oh Clay, they're now saying 12. 12. The latest number is 12. They know they just updated it in the last day. Uh, all right. So when I when I couldn't believe that number, but then I read this article. Okay, this is a 39 year old dad of two uh, who they interviewed that has illegally entered to uh, uh, to the country from Venezuela. He's been staying at the McCarran Play Center in Williamsburg. This is the Brooklyn area, I think. Buck, you can correct me yeah. if I'm wrong on some of this location. They set up a hundred military cots for asylum seekers there because the city shelters are overwhelmed. This guy, uh, Miguel, Miguel Mujica, 
Uh, he lives there with his five-year-old daughter, 15-year-old son, and his wife. Um, and here is what he said. Here's what they get at this location. They get specially prepared Venezuelan cuisine for free every day. They get free Wi-Fi and free international calls at the center. And they get access to the park's massive pool. I brought, this is a quote, I brought my wife and children to the pool on Sunday. There were no problems. We all swam between 12 and 5. It's a very nice pool. More details. Uh, this guy in Venezuela, what do you think he was making a month, Buck, to work in Venezuela as a forensic pathology assistant? Oh, I, I read According the article to him, too. So I, he's, 40 it, bucks. Right. He says he's making, he was making $40 a month. He now earns 700 or $800 a week. Now, assuming that his $40 a month number is correct, that means he's gone from $10 a week to seven or $800 a day. <clears throat> There's no curfew at the shelter. They give us, this is a quote, good hot food, freshly made. The food is very good, mostly Venezuelan food, pasta and rice with chicken, beef, or goat. Lunch is mostly chicken and rice. Yesterday, I had a chicken cutlet. You can get water and juice whenever you want, no limit. There's also, Buck, around-the-clock access to snacks and fruit, although no hot coffee. It's good here, he said. All the bathrooms and showers are in good condition. It's not crowded. There is storage to keep our belongings safe and lots of cameras everywhere. Okay, so they have free international calls. Buck, let's pretend that you or I or anyone out there listening to us right now, you are living in Venezuela, a pathetic socialist-run country that's economy has essentially collapsed. And you are making $40 a week. You can't afford to feed your family. You are struggling. And then you get a call from your cousin or your uncle or your brother, and he says, hey, I'm up in New York City. They're letting us live here for free. They are giving us Wi-Fi. I'm making seven or $800 a week, so I am 70 or 80 times the number of what I used to make in Venezuela. We're safe. They take care of us. Nobody's stealing our belongings. You should come here, too. Be honest. How many of you out there right now, if you found out that you could 70 or 80 times your income, your family would be safer, you'd have access to a freaking pool, you'd have meals prepared for you every day, that's like the best vacation ever. More people are going to come. The incentive structure is broken. They're definitely going to keep coming. I would come if I were Venezuelan. Right. This is never going to end. This is what everyone needs to hear and understand for the first time. This is never going to stop. Uh, as long as the law stays, th this is now a matter of abusing the asylum process as a total end run on immigration. And we've already discussed this, too. The courts are not set up for this. They are overwhelmed, the immigration courts. So they're going to be backlogged for 
years. If they tell you three years, think more like 10. Who is going to be deported in 10 years? Basically nobody. I mean, maybe if you're an MS-13, you know, hitman, they may decide that you have to go in 10 years. But if you're somebody else in the country illegally, you've maybe had a child here, to the point you brought up before, Clay. You're working. You're in the fabric of America. And this cycle just continues. Who gets deported? Who is going to be deported given the way that Democrats approach this issue? As long as the incentives are as strong as there are, Clay, you, you mentioned the, the money they're making under the table. Uh, let's also understand they've run out of $400 a night hotels to house these people. That's going on in New York City right now. Massachusetts is saying that, you know, they can't handle 20,000 that are in their, their shelter system. And you just want to say to yourself, hold on a minute. I, we were told they would not be a financial burden. We were told the taxpayers wouldn't have to pick up the cost of this. We were all lied to. What percentage of our audience do you think has ever stayed in a $400 a night hotel room? 10? 5? Yeah. 10, I mean, 10, it's, to, it's 10 a, to 15, yeah. It's a small percentage of people that have ever stayed in a $400 hotel room in their life. These guys are coming here illegally, and your taxpayer funds are taking care of it. And, Buck, it's not just what's happening to these illegal immigrants in that Brooklyn park. We also had a story up in OutKick about this. In order to house these illegal immigrants, they have ceased allowing people to use the soccer fields in this park. So kids who are in Brooklyn now are showing up to go to practice for their little league soccer teams, whatever you want to call it, and they can no longer practice there because the temporary housing, which is probably going to end up being permanent in this park, they've built it evidently on what used to be public soccer fields to allow kids in the neighborhood who are growing up to be able to come and play there. Now, you grew up in New York City. This is a big deal. There probably aren't that many places where you can play soccer in Brooklyn. They're actually setting up the migrants on Randall's Island as well, which is not really, it's an island, so it's near, it's kind of on the way to uh, Queens, basically. Um, but that's where I used to play soccer. That was where my high school soccer team played. It's on these fields. There's reasons why they haven't developed that area. It's also next to a very large criminal psychiatric facility, Ward's Island. So people tend to not want to live next to the massive criminal psychiatric facility. Um, but they're, yeah, they're taking away space on the, on the soccer fields to set up these. They were thinking about set up these camps. They're thinking about doing it in Central Park as well. And I think people need to understand these are refugee camps. Yeah, that's what you described in McCarran, uh, McCarran Park in Brooklyn, New York, is a refugee camp. They are setting up refugee camps in cities all across America. They keep calling them asylum seekers. When you use the term refugee, it makes this seem much more clear. And then you want to ask the question, Clay, are they all refugees? The, the real answer, based on the numbers we already have, is something like 5% of them legitimately should get asylum. And all of them, Buck, are living in better conditions in the United States than they would be able to live in in their country, even in these refugee camps. Meals covered, Wi-Fi, access to a pool. Sounds like a really good vacation, I bet, for a lot of you out there that are working really hard and don't have the luxury of being able to go to New York City and have access to a pool and Wi-Fi and free meals. They they estimate, according to the World Bank, so take that for what it's worth, Clay, that as of uh, as of a year or two, a couple of years ago, 
you have about 800 million people living on less than $2 a day globally. 800 million. Of that 800 million, if they were to know about and have the means to get to America and know about the processes that are playing out where we just talked about where they're saying what's going on here, how many of them would say, yeah, I I want asylum too? Is Is there any upper limit? Democrats don't have to answer any of this. They just shout... Oh, it's xenophobic. Oh, it's it's bigoted. Why don't you want? Why do we even have an immigration system if this is going to happen? Why do we even pretend that there's any law? You're all paying for it. That's what I just want to bring back home. While you're struggling to cover the goods and services and family necessities of your own personal life, your government, especially in New York City, but in all different parts of the country, is doing this and they're begging for a federal bailout. Uh, because that's what Mayor Adams wants so that his budget doesn't get even worse. Are you on a fixed income? You want an investment that delivers consistent returns without compromising your financial security. At Phoenix Capital Group, we offer high-yield corporate bonds with returns of 9 to 12% annual interest that pays out monthly. With 2,000-plus satisfied investors paid on time every time, Phoenix Capital Group is giving investors a new high-yield option investing in domestic energy assets. Start earning these high yields and learn more about multiple offerings today at phxonair.com. Learn more by downloading the free investment packet today at phxonair.com. You can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 12% annual interest. Investment in bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. I'm a Phoenix Capital Group investor myself. Go check them out today. Visit phxonair.com. Truth seeking. Reality telling. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. 
This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've got this, and, and I thought we should discuss, Buck. Joe Biden continues to, for the most part, avoid any consequences for his family taking $20 million from foreign countries, from oligarchs, from klepto- kleptocrats all around the world, from... Uh, Russia, from Ukraine, from China, from Kazakhstan, where they're buying Hunter Biden flashy uh, sports cars. And they have very but, nice potassium. Yes. Barat, they got Barat got to Hunter Biden, which would probably be a really funny movie. <laughs> if, if you could oh, get yeah. Hunter Biden to sit down with Borat, it would go ultra viral. Yes. Uh, it would be incredible. Um, There now is talk that James Comer is going to subpoena both Hunter and Joe Biden as a part of their investigation in the Biden crime family. And you would think if we had an honest media that people would be covering this because it makes Watergate look like jaywalking. It makes Bill Clinton lying about an affair with Monica Lewinsky look like, uh, I mean, nothing. And certainly, Russiagate and the Mueller investigation and the impeachment one and impeachment two and January 6th, even if you roll all those things together, most of which were made up, even if you run all those things together, it's nothing compared to the allegations credibly leveled against Joe Biden right now. Almost no one in the media is even asking about it, which is why I want to give credit to Peter Ducey of Fox News who is one of the only people in the media that will actually speak truth to power, which is the ostensible job, Buck, of the media. That used to be what they did. The media exists to ask the questions on behalf of the American people that you and me and most other normal people out there are not able to ask the people in positions of power. Now, we're fortunate on this show to get to talk to people in positions of power. So I I don't take that for granted, but I think always in the back of my mind that we are being able to ask these questions on behalf of all of you out there listening. And sometimes when they don't get answered, Buck, as happened with my good friend Mike Pence, I can get a little bit testy over the refusal to answer questions. Because if you come on here, the goal is to answer questions and talk to this audience. So Peter Ducey finally got in front of Joe Biden and, and he asked tell you him, something. I, yeah. I don't think Pence would pardon you either, Clay. <laughs> yeah, I, think I better not I think get you'd arrested. Be toast. I'd be Mike visiting Pence you upstate up in prison. You're right. I'm in trouble if Mike Pence ends up president. Uh, here is Peter Ducey tracking down Joe Biden and asking him, "Hey, by the way, what do you got to say about all these credible allegations involving your husband, uh, your husband, your son, 
and uh, and uh, the payments that he got. Here's what it sounded like. There's this testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you were on speakerphone a lot with them, talking business. Is that what? I've never talked business in anyway. And I, I know you'd have a lousy question. Well, what do you, it's, why is that a lousy question? Thank because you. it's not true. First of all, like, who is he to editorialize on the question from the press corps in that way? Like, I just think that's so funny. It's like, I, you know, that's not a good question. If it's a, a lousy president, question. Can I just put a lousy question? If a president says that's a lousy question, chances are it's a really good question. I agree. And I give credit to Peter Ducey. There should be a feeding frenzy. Just like the feeding frenzy that would ensue if Buck kept the beach open and more and more people kept getting bitten by sharks. Wow. In in the White House press corps, there is blood proverbially in the water of the President of the United States based on Hunter Biden and the Biden family's behavior. So, And they should be swarming trying to ask questions about this. And nobody will say anything other than Peter Ducey. It's, it's wild. I think there's... I think that this ties into our back and forth over the, the macro political situation here as follows. Um, there are obviously people who believe that Hunter is going, I'm sorry, Hunter's going to be replaced as president. Joe is going to be, that would also be an amazing movie. Hunter Biden as president. Wow. Uh, did they do I, I'm going to be honest uh, with you, Buck. Do they have NC-17 anymore? They might have to get a well, special rating. I'm just going to say that would make it a lot different Christmas party. Yes, that is true. It would be snowing for sure. Um, so uh, I, I can tell white you this. Christmas, white Christmas beyond a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> so, but it, the, back to the politics. If, if, um, if Joe Biden's going to be replaced, the media has to play a role in that. If Joe Biden's not going to be replaced, the media has to play a role in that. I think that they don't really know yet. You know, I, I I think that there is a little bit of a sense that maybe we're going to have to back this guy or maybe we're going to have to shove him out. They aren't sure yet because there's this the, the narrative from the from the media in defense of this. Now, part of it is it's just crumbling in real time because more information comes out, more revelations. It's more obvious that Biden lied about everything. OK, but but for the politics of it. Do they, you know, at some point they decide that they're going to be helping vote Joe off the island, so to speak, right? Or they just circle the wagons, they do everything they can to defend him. I feel like they don't really know, meaning that the the Democrat machine itself is split at the top level, and there are people who worry, and, you know, because if they start going in that direction, that obviously weakens him if they have to back him up. But if they start circling the wagons entirely, maybe they're never in a place to push him aside. You, you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I think that there's a disconnect. I, I don't. I don't disagree with that. And and I would just say, the arrogance of the White House in essentially never having Joe Biden talk to the press is really extraordinary. Because remember, they used to rip Trump to shreds, but he wouldn't even leave the White House press briefing room. He would stand up there and take questions for hours and answer anything that was getting screamed at him from anyone, and yet they said, oh, he's not respectful of journalism. He doesn't respect the press. We've talked about this before, Buck, but if anything, Donald Trump is an apex consumer of media. 
he is a bigger fan of the media than almost anyone that has ever been, I would say, in the White House. Watches Fox News all the time. I think he watches CNN and MSNBC all the time. He is in a, he is an incredible critic of the way that the media covers his presidency, but also larger news stories in general. And I suspect this to a large extent, Buck, and you grew up in New York City, has to do with Trump liking to read the New York Post. And I bet he used to read the New York Daily News and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. I love getting my hands on physical newspapers, but I realize that I'm an old man for that. Trump used to get all those newspapers and go through them and devour the daily news. And I think he still consumes the news in the same way. Biden disrespects the press. He doesn't talk to anyone. He did an interview with the Weather Channel and he couldn't get through it without uh, managing to bungle it. Well, well, Trump was also very early to leverage all media at the time in in service of his brand. So he would want a front page story about Wallman Rink getting fixed. He would want a page six story about, you know, Trump out with, uh, you know, beautiful star or whatever after he got divorced. I mean, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, right. It was, it was front page. It was page six. It was page whatever. It was just a focus on him all the time. The creation of that attention. Now everyone kind of recognizes in the social media age that attention is currency. Trump was an early practitioner of that and and really a more, yeah, like a more thorough one top to bottom in this game than than almost anyone else you can think of. I mean, you think about who were fixations of the media. Some people would argue that the first global celebrities were the uh, were the British royal family in some ways, you know, the sort of celebrity component of it. And that's uh, that's from analysis I've seen of, of the crown, the show that I put on when I want Carrie to fall asleep quickly so I can then watch, you know. Game of Thrones. It's great show. It's a great yeah. show. Well done. Yeah, thank you. It's it's it is it is it is entertaining. Um, but Trump, in some ways, was was the uh, he was the celebrity where celebrity itself was often the goal. You know, not an actor, not a but but he recognized it was all part of the brand. Just the 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 focus on the name Trump. Yeah, it became something that was branded into the center of the brains of the people reading and hearing about it. I've got one for you, Buck. Davy Crockett. I'm reading, doing all my research on Davy Crockett. We'll be talking about this in more detail as the fall goes on. But Davy Crockett was one of the first American true grown celebrities because he was a man of the West, killed a bear when he was only three, you know, the whole concept of it. And to your point, the idea of creating a celebrity that was American born and bred was a relatively new in, in 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 creation, right? I mean, the president's always been someone who got a lot of media attention, even back in you know 1803 when the Louisiana Purchase was going on. Everybody knew who Thomas Jefferson was, but this idea of creating celebrity outside of office is really a fascinating one. And I also have been reading there's a good book about Babe Ruth. Uh, I know a lot of you are paying attention to what Shohei Otani is doing. He's basically a modern day Babe Ruth. But Babe Ruth Buck, there's an argument, was the first ever athlete to become a global celebrity and icon. And the way in which he did that was so interesting. And I think you're right about Trump. He understood the social media era before social media existed. And he played it for all it's worth. And so when we see the way that Joe Biden is being treated, 
I think Trump can look at it not only as a presidential candidate running against Biden, but I also think he can look at it as someone who understands media and as, frankly, someone who was, I think, and is an astute media critic in general and point to it and say the hypocrisy is so transparent. If you look, and I don't even think you have to compare Trump and Biden, Buck. I think you can compare Biden and Clinton. I think you can compare Biden and Nixon. I think you can compare Biden with basically every president that's existed for the last 40 years. None of them have been as protected in office as Joe Biden is. It's not even close. You think they're going to continue? How, how, do the, how does the anti-Biden coup... How does the defenestration of the Biden regime occur? Great question. Let's discuss it when we come back on this next segment. That's what we call a tease in the business. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Sometimes you discover solutions to problems you didn't even know you had. Take, for instance, a problem that a lot of men don't know they have, but it's real. It's out there. Look at the literature on it. A lack of sufficient energy and stamina in the body to accomplish the best you can each and every day. Most guys don't even notice it as they get older, but they've got nothing to compare it to. They just figure, I'm getting older, right? Well, guess what? There are things you can do about this. The solution comes from our friends at Chalk, a natural supplement company that makes something called the Male Vitality Stack. It's a specially formulated set of supplements that fuel the body with stamina, energy, and increased focus. One contributing ingredient has been proven to increase testosterone levels by 20% in just three months' time. And that's crucial because testosterone is the fuel in a guy's body that provides stamina and energy. We've introduced this solution to a whole lot of men in this audience already. Maybe it's your solution, and it's for a problem that you don't even know you have until you look into it. So check it out. The product website that I'm talking about here is chalk.com. That's C-H-O-Q.com. Save 35% off the subscription you choose for life when you use my name, Buck, in your purchase process. That's a great discount. 35% off. You get that for life. When you use my name, Buck, at chalk, C-H-O-Q dot com. Sanity in an insane world. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We have Senator Ron Johnson with us. Senator Johnson, appreciate you making the time. Hey, guys, how you doing? We're good. We're good. Um, let me, let me start with this, all the stuff coming out about Biden, you know, you've been somebody who's been speaking loudly on some of these, uh, fact finding issues, whether it's about COVID or the Hunter laptop or the Biden crime family, any number of things for a while now, do you think that this will result in any political consequences? Let me, and I'll put it to you this way, Senator, uh, do you think that this is possibly going to push Biden in terms of 2024 to make a decision one way or the other and uh, how do you see that playing out well first of all it should have resulted in political consequences back in 2020 but it didn't we, we had more than enough evidence to certainly convince me that he was unfit for office the evidence just continues to accumulate and again what, what i try and point out too is we really have three scandals that we're dealing with here we have the, the biden family the, the corrupt grifters that they are that's a scandal how we have now an American president compromised, and we have no idea how this is impacting his foreign policy. But then we also have the corruption, the scandal of partisanship within the FBI, within the Department of Justice. I mean, that's that's pretty apparent. 
as well as then, and this may, this may be the most serious, this may be the most dangerous thing to our democracy, to steal a term from the left, the complicit and corrupt media that refuses to cover this, which is why it probably won't result in the type of consequences that, that we would want to see. And you know, I heard earlier in the, the show you were talking about the border. I mean, it's just jaw-dropping that the media just completely ignores that catastrophe that's occurring on the southern border. So, Again, three, three separate scandals, all incredibly serious, all pretty well covered up by our corrupt media. Um, I don't know if you've seen this news yet, um, uh, Senator Johnson, but I wanted to ask you about it. Uh, Axios has a, a story up about Joe Manchin, and he said just a few minutes ago, quote, he's serious, thinking seriously about dropping his affiliation with the Democrat Party and becoming an independent. Uh, he said, I have to have peace of mind. The brand has become so bad. The D brand and the R brand. You've heard me say a million times, I'm not a Washington Democrat. Now, this is, of course, convenient uh, because Joe Manchin is up for re-election next year, and it appears many in West Virginia are not inclined to vote for him. You're in the Senate. Have you heard this discussed in earnest? Do you think Joe Manchin would caucus with uh, the Democrats or the Republicans? Because Kirsten Sinema's already announced that she is an independent. And I ask because we're basically in a 50-50 Senate. I'm curious your reaction to those comments. Do they surprise you? What do you think might happen there? Unless he says he'll become an independent and caucus with the Republicans, it's completely meaningless. And I would completely ignore it. So the, the press has to follow up. Okay, we've come in pennant. Who are you in the caucus with? Yep, that's the number one question. A Democrat, he's a Democrat. And he, by and large, votes with the Democrats. I mean, he, you know, again, he, he votes enough with Republicans on issues that he pretty well has to vote with us on. You know, things like the border. He's the, he's the only Democrat that I think voted when I put up an amendment to actually complete the wall we'd already bought and paid for. And it's costing us more not to build it than to build it. So he voted us with, uh, with us on that. And, and he does vote with us, but unless he caucuses with us, it's completely meaningless if he goes independent. Speaking of Senator Ron Johnson and Senator, in your home state of Wisconsin, there was, uh, as I understand it, a pretty consequential uh, election as it pertains to the uh, state Supreme Court and how that could affect things in 2024. Can you give us an update on that? And, and generally, how is Wisconsin looking for Republicans in this upcoming pivotal election? It's going to be really tough statewide. Um, that was a crucial Supreme Court race that we lost. Uh, the liberals have now fully taken over, and they are radical leftists. I mean, they just basically stripped the chief justice, uh, who is a Republican, who is a conservative, of uh, basically her powers. They're going to take total control, uh, probably redistrict. There, there's even talk of them literally throwing the, the maps out from you know all of our state assembly, state senate races, throwing the maps out, throwing that election out, and and potentially demanding a new election before November 2024 to, to remake the Wisconsin state legislature. So I don't know how far these, these radical leftists are going to go, but it should concern all of us. Uh, it's going to have an impact on potentially districting in congressional races. Um, it, it's, who knows? It, it, was, it was an incredibly important race, and we lost it. We're talking to Senator Johnson. Uh, we're going to do an event. We're going to be up. You're going to be in studio uh, with me. Buck's going to be on summer vacation, uh, which will be. We'll have to have another trip. Uh, but we're going to be doing an event. It's going to be at the Pabst Theater. Uh, I'm going to be speaking there. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
the next day, that's on August 22nd, the next day is the debate. Lots of discussion about whether Donald Trump should debate, about whether he should sign the pledge to support uh, any other Republican in the event he were not nominee. If President Trump called you, and maybe he has because he's asking a lot of people uh, their advice on whether it makes sense to debate in Milwaukee on August 23rd with the other Republican presidential candidates, what would you tell him? Well, first I'd tell him to sign the pledge. Yeah, uh, he signed it back in 2016. Reince Priebus uh, presented it to him, and he signed it. And that was important. Uh, if he doesn't sign that, um, I mean, it's I think it would be a mistake. Uh, obviously, people in Wisconsin would love to see him on the stage. They'd like to hear his views. Uh, he needs to explain to the American public about uh, you know what he did during COVID. Uh, there's a lot of things that he can talk about, and he, I'd like to see him on the stage, but you know that would be up to him. Senator Johnson with us now from Wisconsin. Senator, uh, are you are you confident that the Biden uh, regime or that Joe Biden is going to stand for reelection? Or are you on the side of things where you think that the Democrats are going to try to pull something at the last minute here? Yeah, if, if I had to bet, I'd probably bet they'll do that and they'll replace him with a candidate that cannot be properly vetted. You know, this will be the candidate the media will hail as going to be the savior of uh, the United States and the Democrat Party. And, uh, and it won't be a fair fight. So that, that, if I had to bet, that's where I'd bet. I, I, I mean, I, I can't. And again, I, it's, it's sad to see anybody deteriorate with age, right? I just have a hard time believing America would elect Joe Biden as infirmed as he appears to be and as a corrupt as I know he is. Speaking of corrupt, uh, I'm sure you have seen your colleague Rand Paul has referred Dr. Fauci to uh, the Department of Justice and now also the D.C. Attorney's Office for prosecution for perjury. Is there any doubt in your mind that Dr. Fauci committed perjury? And should he be charged with, at a minimum, the crime of lying to Congress? Probably. And I would consider Dr. Fauci a very bad person. Uh, You know, the sabotage of early treatment, which cost, according to doctors I talked to, probably hundreds of thousands of Americans their lives. Uh, because he was just, you know, hell-bent on making sure that every American got a vaccine in their arm. And, of course, the vaccines haven't worked, and they've injured untold numbers of individuals that he completely ignores as well, together with his corrupt federal agencies. So, yeah, I'm I'm not a real fan of uh, Anthony Fauci. I'm not a real fan of the people in charge of the CDC, the NIH, uh, the FDA. We've got a real problem on our hands. We've got a corrupt... uh, Federal Health Agency. We've got obviously corrupt Big Pharma. Uh, there's so much. There's so much corruption. You can just tell the disgust in my voice here. I mean, we're, America's going down a very dangerous path right now, and Anthony Fauci is is one of the one of the henchmen. Um, Senator Johnson, if I could circle us back to immigration, which you mentioned, we were talking about that. Really kicked off the show on the just the reality that we have a de facto open border, and that we have cities that are now becoming giant refugee camps or have refugee camps that are going to rival any others uh, in certainly the Western Hemisphere. Um, given that reality, do you think that if we were to have a Republican House, Senate, and presidency in 2024, are Republican members in the Senate united and reliable on doing something legislatively to fix the border crisis as it stands? 
Yeah, unfortunately, without 60 votes, it's going to be very difficult. But we know that a president that's dedicated to closing the border can do it. That's what Donald Trump did. And what's so depressing about this is we pretty well had stopped the flow of unaccompanied children and, and family units exploiting our asylum laws. As a result, less human trafficking, less, less sex trafficking. Uh, we had it close to under control. Still had uh, single adults coming in, but probably about half the level. And then Joe Biden dedicated to opening up the border did so. Now it's about 5 million people is my best guess. 5 million people either encountered, processed, and dispersed, or come in as a known or unknown gotaway. Half the states have populations less than 5 million people. That's the extent of the problem. And what New York and these other cities are screaming about is just a fraction of the problem. But again, you've got a media that's covering up, and they are the ones that are corrupt and complicit. If we had that honest news media reporting on this, uh, America wouldn't stand for it. I mean, the cost of this is skyrocketing. I hear the, the numbers just in New York that you were talking about. You know, take a look at what that's going to do nationally. Take a look at how that's going to change the character of, of this country. Uh, look, I'm all for legal immigration. But until we fix this problem, until we secure the border and stop the illegal immigration, there's just not going to be a way to, to actually fix the problem. Senator Johnson, who do you think is actually making decisions in the White House now? Uh, a bunch of radical leftists. Does it really make any difference who, who exactly is pulling the levers there? Um, you know, listen, there, there's an elite group of individuals globally that are having undue influence over politics globally. I, I, I honestly believe that. I, I would have said that three, four years ago before the pandemic, but now you see what's happened during the pandemic, the you know trusted news network, the censorship, the, the spreading of misinformation by accusing people like you and uh, you know Clay and Buck and, and Ron Johnson of spreading misinformation. We were telling American people the truth. Um, guys, I, mean, I'm, I wish I could say I'm a huge optimist right now. I'm in a pretty dark mood because of what I'm seeing. We're, this nation is on a very dangerous path, and more Americans have to pull their heads out, open up their eyes, and understand that we've got to fix this. We, we cannot. Republicans, conservatives cannot lose the 2024 election. As imperfect as the Republican Party is, the Democrats are vastly, vastly worse. You, you just said something that I think is really important because it ties in with the challenge of winning Wisconsin. You know that specifically because you won, I think, by 26,000 votes uh, for six more years, thankfully. If the ultimate nominee of the Republican Party uh, for president came to you and said, I want you to be vice president, would you consider it? And do you think you could deliver Wisconsin based on your knowledge of that state? Because I bet you would agree Whichever way Wisconsin goes is probably who's going to win the presidency. Well, first of all, if you had a presidential candidate come up and ask you to be vice president, I don't know who would turn somebody down. I mean, it's just you're being asked to serve. You know, I, I stepped up, played for a third term because this country is in big trouble. To win Wisconsin, the, the formula is ground game. It's grassroots. It's get the, the paid field staff out there and doing what the Democrats do. They only have to do it in Madison and Milwaukee. We need to mine votes in every small little town and municipality in Wisconsin. It's a much more difficult task, but that's where we need to spend the money. I keep telling you know people to run the NRSC and these national campaigns, quit spending so much money on stupid ads. Spend money on the ground game. That's what we have to do. Senator Johnson, before we let you go, uh, and thank you for all this important insighted information, especially in your home state of Wisconsin. We have a... We have a um a situation here we wanted you to uh weigh in on what is the best buddy cop movie of all time 
You know, I'm not a real fan of Hollywood. I'm not. I, I, I kind of like Men in Black because I just like science fiction movies. But uh, in general, oh, that's I'm a not, good answer. I, I'm not that's the best a... person to uh, evaluate Hollywood. Fair that's enough. a good answer. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you, sir. Okay. Take care. Keep up good work. Guess what? Online identity theft, one of those crimes that happens without alarms going off or cops showing up looking for the bad guys. Instead, you've got some cyber hacker halfway around the world breaking into company databases, stealing data, selling it on the dark web to the highest bidder. That's likely what happened to a company you've likely not heard of before, one called Maximus Federal Services. They're a Medicare contractor, a big one, large enough that their computers have the information on more than 11 million Americans. That information potentially exposed several months ago in May. The compromised information reads like a checklist for cyber hackers, social security numbers, names, phone numbers, email addresses, healthcare claims, and more. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Remember, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but it's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now and save 25% off your first year with promo code CLAY. 1-800-LIFELOCK. Go online to lifelock.com and use promo code CLAY for 25% off. He's Buck Sexton. He's Clay Travis. Together, they're breathing sanity into an insane world. We got some. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough. 
that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Some breaking news here that is of high interest and goes to a lot of the analysis we've had on the show. Let me tell you, this is a great time to tell you that tomorrow we are stacked when it comes to legal and constitutional analysis. Uh, All these major stories, whether it's the Trump indictments, the Biden realities, the Hunter Biden plea bargain, which is still hanging out there somewhere. I mean, it still could happen. I I think it still will happen. They're just going to try to find a way to ease it through on the second on the second uh, attempt. Um, But we have Andy McCarthy going to be joining us tomorrow, Senator Ted Cruz and Julie Kelly. So I, I don't know. You know, this is like the. It's like the Avengers for law nerds or something. We got a lot of people to uh, to join in tomorrow on this one, so we're excited about that. And this is the latest. It's uh, just from these. Remember, there's going to be court filings in the various cases. We're probably going to have the Atlanta indictment next week. The grand jury is meeting. They believe the grand jury is likely to hand down an indictment against Trump there. Um, so that's likely to be next week. And in the meantime, uh, the. The prosecution of the D.C. case, I guess we call it. Interesting. It's really the election 2020 case, but everyone's calling it the Jan 6 case. I guess it kind of touches on both. Um, They are trying to have the case, the trial rather, begin on January 2nd of 2024. They think it'll take a little over a month or so to bring this case. In the court filing, which is out, government's response to court's August 3rd, 2023 minute order. It's out now. The government proposed that the trial begin then. will take no more than four to six weeks. Um, a January 2nd trial date, I'm reading from this court order, would vindicate the public's strong interest uh, in a speedy trial, etc., etc., for a president who was charged with conspiring to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 presidential election, obstruct the certification of the election results, and dis- discount citizens' legitimate votes. Or this is the this is in the court record. This is the prosecution asking for this. The special counsel asking for this. Okay, Clay. A couple of big things. Not only are they trying to make this case happen in the election year. So the whole thing, I've been saying all along, everybody, they're not going to, de- why are they going to delay it? They're not going to allow it to be delayed. The They're having it, and they're jumping ahead of the scheduled case for Florida, right? Isn't Florida later than this? So yeah, they not are, only jumping ahead of New York, too. And New York. Because New York is March. Yeah. So they are moving this one to the front of the line. They are moving it to the, like... Most damaging politically point possible in the primary schedule. And Clay, you know, this is what, like, you, we've been talking about this, right? Normal cases that the, the Theranos Elizabeth Holmes trial took years and years and years to prosecute her for being a massive, massive fraud. Th- this judge in uh, Chutkin, right, in D.C., is going to ram all this stuff through. They're not, she's not going to delay this. She's not going to give Trump fair process. You see it differently? 
I, I cannot imagine that they can get the trial turned this quickly. This will be a great discussion tomorrow with Julie Kelly because she has covered the Jan 6 cases better than almost anybody uh, out there. Probably the best in the entire country. And I, I know we talked to her before. The average run-up for Jan 6 cases has been 18 to 24 months, I think she said. So in other words, from the time of an indictment, charges being filed, typically it's taking... A, you know, a year and a half to two years for those trials to get done. This would be four or five months. Unheard of. Now, politically, I don't think there's any way that Trump wants this one going to trial before the other two, because I think by far this is the greatest legal peril of conviction that he faces. Now, the case in South Florida, as we have told you, I think is an easier case. And I think this one will get tossed by the Supreme Court, and we'll talk about this tomorrow more, but I geeked out legally yesterday explaining to you why I don't think these are crimes at all that Jack Smith has charged Trump with, and I stand by that. I think that the law is on his side, but it can take a while for that to get to the Supreme Court. And to your point, we know right now he's scheduled to stand trial in New York City in March, that he's scheduled to stand trial in Florida in May. So they are stacking it such that in their ideal world, he would be on trial for the entirety of 24. January, March, May. Now add to those are all trial dates that have been set. This is no longer January just speculation. Hasn't been set. March and May. I'm, set. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Requested March has January. been set. But. I, I think they're yeah. going to get it, Clay. <laughs> I think I think the judge is going to get uh, You don't think so? You think, think Judge Chutkin's going to deny the special counsel their request here? Well, I just think there's going to be so many issues at play that it's going to be hard to expedite this and get it done. Now, I, I, this is the, the the rig job is in if they get this trial in in January. And the reason why I would say this is so significant, Buck, for everybody out there listening, they're saying four to six weeks. So if you took the government at its word, I think you need to add a couple of weeks probably. So let's say two months. This trial would legitimately be going on while everybody is voting in the Republican primary. January 15th, we know the Iowa caucus. Early February, we know the uh, uh, the, the New Hampshire. Clay, By March 5th or so, Buck, this thing's going to be decided. Clay, uh, I mean, uh, tr- Trump, not Clay. Clay's not going to prison. Trump? Hopefully not. Hopefully. Not yet. I don't know. You got to, you know. Mike Pence I keep doing this show number. long enough. Somebody's going to definitely be knocking on my door. I feel confident about out. that. Um, I, I, you're, you're in a position where you could legitimately see as a possibility. I'm not making a prediction. I'm just saying it is possible that Trump on or within days of like Super Tuesday could be found guilty of a felony in a federal court. That could happen. Yes. That is just reality right now as we see it, which is completely crazy. But this is where we are. What I was going to say, though, is let's say they get to January. To be fair, to be clear, as you said, it's not yet agreed to. I think they will get it. It's the most anti-Trump judge pretty much you could possibly get. I don't think she's going to say, well, you know, Trump's political aspirations. Remember, they're not supposed to, you know, they play it both ways. They're not supposed to take into account what Trump's political aspirations are in this in their minds. It's purely criminal process, right? Criminal justice system working without, you know, fear or favor which we know is nonsense, but that's what their their theory or their uh, operating theory will be here. You could have January, March, May, the Atlanta prosecution, if it comes down, the indictment comes down next week, 
they're going to try to wedge that in there somewhere, either, I would assume, now after it. But to your point, you could have Trump on trial for really the entire election year. Because, I mean, the federal trial in, what is it, May? Call it six to eight weeks. And then after that, you're going to have maybe the Atlanta trial, which maybe that's only a few weeks. But they're going to have him on trial the entire entire year. And that's even, let's say he beats everything. It's crazy. And and I would just point out, it needs to bear, bear repeating over and over again, and we're going to do it. They are claiming that they care about preserving democracy. And in the name of democracy, the United States government, Joe Biden's Department of Justice, is requesting that Donald Trump stand federal trial while all of you in Iowa are caucusing, while all of you in New Hampshire are lining up to vote. While everyone in Nevada, while everyone in South Carolina, all of you that may be out exercising your constitutional right to pick a representative to run for president, they are going to be trying to put him in prison by their own request while all of that voting is going on. I'm not surprised they made the request, Buck. If they are able to jump to the front of the line... This is not the most perilous because, again, I think this is going to get tossed at the Supreme Court eventually, but they want to brand Donald Trump a felon, and they want to do it before he even gets the opportunity to win the Republican nomination. All right, let's call it right now, Clay. Does Judge Chutkin agree to the special counsel's timetable? I think, uh, based on where it's being requested, I think she may back it up to February and claim that she's being like, uh, you know, being respectful. Okay. I do think, I do think that, tra- and this is where having the right lawyers matters so much. I think, Buck. I think she gives them exactly what they want without, without even a second thought. But we'll see. If you had true legal all stars representing you, I think the Trump legal team could throw in front of this a series of procedural hurdles, motioning, arguments, appeals that would make it impossible to have a trial by that date. I think that they would have the legal mechanism to do so. But I don't know that he has that legal acumen representing him, to be fair. I don't think he has the dream. If I were Trump, remember OJ had the dream team of lawyers? If I were Trump, I would want the equivalent of the modern-day O.J. legal team, and I don't think he has that. Also, if they were to put, Clay and I do agree on this, if they put cameras in the courtroom, Trump's going to take his own defense. Take I, the I would, stand I on his take, own defense. Yeah, yeah, sorry, that's what I mean, to take the stand yeah. on his own defense. He's he's going to actually take the stand. We'll come back to close this out here in a second. You know, a friend of this program, Dutch Mendenhall, is the CEO of Rad Diversified. He's got this new book that he just released, Money Shackles. It's a new term, Money Shackles, but it deser- uh, describes an old problem. These shackles represent the financial hamstrings that Americans have fought with for a long time. Get in debt by going to college, leave a student loan debt, buying a new car on credit, uh, on credit, you know, all these things we do that get us deep into debt. Dutch believes it's the wrong thoughts and the wrong teachings behind this. In his book, he'll give you strategies to use debt to your advantage and tap into lucrative alternative investment vehicles to redefine your American dream. Dutch is on a mission to be at the forefront of the greatest financial change in American history and look beyond Wall Street and see the future of alternative investments. It's no longer just available to the super rich. The old American dream is dying fast. Get ready for the redefined American dream with money shackles. Learn more at therad.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-D 
therad.com. Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck, a new podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.